welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Let's turn to John chapter 18. We've been in 1 John, just wrapped up 1 John. And there's actually a piece of the end of 1 John that uh, I was studying last week and I I didn't get to speak to you about it. And so I want to jump into that today. Um, John chapter um, 18, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. And while you're turning there, if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up there on the screen for you. But while you're turning there, I just want to share a quick story. This week, um, uh, well, every night uh, when our kids go to bed, we have story time with them and we let them just choose the topic. And they always ask me a topic about my life. And I'll share a story because I have a really good memory and um, I've lived 41 years now. And so there's a lot of stories that I can share with our kids and and they're always fascinated by them. And so this past week, I think it was Friday, um, Matt and Micah were asking me about my experiences um, with regard to Halloween as a kid. Uh, Dad, Dad, what was Halloween like for you? (laughs) And I said, well, you know, imagine that you're just in a dark room by yourself. Um, That's about it. No, no, just kidding. Um, Although that's not exactly very different from my Halloween experience. You see, um, when I was born, my my parents had just uh, been saved. They just found out about Jesus and they just started following him. And they jumped into um, a charismatic word of faith church. And um, at that time, this is 1980, right? So in the mid 80s, there was a a book circulating around the church that uh, I think it was titled something like the the origins of Halloween or the evil origins or the pagan origins of Halloween. And and it sort of just painted Halloween as, oh, it came from pagan worship and all of these evil, evil things. And so my parents read that book. Some of you are just staring at me like, no, like books, you know, like these pieces of paper that they print on and you open them. It's like, this is before the internet, guys. Like um, back in the day, we used to get our misinformation from books, okay? That's, that's how that worked. And if, it was, if it was in print, it was for real. It must be true, you know? Before you laugh at us, look, you're, you're, you're reading all these memes and stuff. I see you on Facebook. This spoke to me. All right, okay. All right, I got you. It's on the internet. Must be true. Uh, but no, for us, it was in a book. And uh, my parents, you know, they didn't want to be a part of something demonic. Uh, they didn't want to be a part of something satanic. Like, so they just decided that it was just best not to even mess with Halloween. So growing up, I never, um, I never wore a costume. I, I never got to, to get a costume. Like, I never went trick-or-treating or trunk-or-treating, um, you know, and so a lot of times we just go out to eat, right? So we'd, we would be the Christians that would turn off all of our lights at the house so that people didn't, like, knock on the door. And <laughs> mom and dad are watching right now. And anyway, you know, we would, we would, we would like, go out to eat or something. Um, I, but some, I remember one time dad was late coming home, so we had to sit in the dark house, you know, waiting for dad to come home for us to go out to eat. And, because uh, you, know, you don't, if, like, if it's demonic, like if, if handing out candy is demonic, like I don't like we don't we don't want that. We don't want to, we don't want to be a part of anything satanic or demonic. And um, so anyway, uh, so I shared that with 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 my kids, and so they started asking obviously questions about what we're doing because now things are quite different. My kids, for instance, have on costumes today. Um, our church is celebrating Candy Palooza, which is basically giving out candy on October 31st. We're having a trunk or treat, um, which basically is people coming in costumes. We're having a costume contest for crying out loud. So obviously 
things are a little, little bit different, right? And so they were asking me about that. And I said, well, there's, there's a number of things I could say about that. The main thing is that, you know, the book that we had read, it talked all about the origins of Halloween. Um, but the origins of something does not dictate the current use of something. It doesn't. It's called, it, I mean, in, in, in psychology, it's called the origins philosophy. Uh, uh, it's a fallacy, the origins fallacy, that you, you can find an origin of something, and then you say that that something is, is bad because the origin was sketchy. So first off, we don't really, there's, there's about 15 different origins of current Halloween, what we call Halloween. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's this stuff from Europe, there's stuff from South America, there's stuff from just America. And, and as per usual, America just took all of that and bundled it all up into a big melting pot and just like, blah, this is Halloween. And it's weird. It's like Easter, right? It's like you get a bunny, you get eggs, you get Jesus. It's like, where did all these things? So some of it, and then the word Easter, where did that come from? Well, okay, so some of this is pagan, some of it is Catholic. Some of it is Christian. Some of it is just plain secular culture in different regions and areas. And so you say, where are the origins? Well, there's about 15 origins of Halloween. And yet, all the origins do not dictate what is good and what is bad. For instance, you know, Sunday. Today we celebrate that we celebrate the, the Son of God. But Sunday is actually from the Sun God, worshiping the Sun God. Monday is worshiping the Moon God. Yet I still say Monday. I like my, I love Mondays. I get to sleep in a little bit, get some espresso, I get to relax. I like Mondays, but I'm not worshiping the moon god when I say Monday, even though it was dedicated, a day dedicated to him, because I don't care about the moon god. It's not dedicated to him anymore. This is, this is Monday, is my recuperation day from having to deal with you all, all day Sunday. So I'm just saying, I get, I get a little rest and reprieve from, from, from that. I, no, I mean, preach to you all. That's what I meant. I didn't mean deal with that. Sorry. I just I said the wrong thing. Um, but no, we, 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 the, the origins of the thing does not necessarily necess, necessitate something being evil or even good. Cause there are things that can start off really good and then turn quickly. Or, you know, there's certain, certain words in the English language that our kids listen to songs from the fifties and they're like, Really? What is that? That's not good. And I said, no, no, no. That word used to mean just happy. It means something different now, you know? And so it, it's because things change. And the origin of the thing, you have to understand the context of the culture that you're in. And so today I want to teach from John 18, but also teach on this idea of the truth about Halloween. I'm going to talk about the truth about Halloween on Halloween. We're going to talk about the truth about Halloween. Um, and no, I'm not going to get into the origins of Halloween. And today we'll be a little, little bit more teaching because I want you to receive something mentally, knowledge-wise, but then I also want to give you an application, something to do. Um, we're going to talk about the truth about Halloween. And technically, before we can get into the Halloween part of the truth about Halloween, we're going to talk about the truth. So the truth is really, really, really important. Technically, and if I'm being truthful with you, if I'm being truthful with you, I am really, this is bait and switch. Uh, yes, it's, it's really about the truth about the truth. Technically, that's what I'm talking to you about. So, um, but then we'll throw Halloween in there and it'll be, it'll be all good. Uh, John 18, if you, hopefully you're there by now, verse um, 33. This is a passage where Jesus has been um, uh, captured by the high priest. He has been condemned by the Jewish leaders and they are now turning him over to Pilate because they want to crucify him. And they can't crucify him by themselves. They have to get Pilate's permission. And so they bring him to Pilate for Pilate to be the judge to decide whether or not Jesus deserves death. And so in verse 33, Pilate entered the praetorium again and called to Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? 
are you the king of the Jews? Now that's an interesting question uh, because Pilate is not actually asking him, are you the king of the Jews? Because Pilate believes that he himself is the king of the Jews. Pilate is the one who is in charge of the Jewish uh, precinct, the, the province. He's the one in charge. He's obviously the judge. He decides who lives and who dies. He decides what happens within that province. He stands before the Senate of, of Rome and before the Emperor of Rome on behalf of the Jewish people. He is the king of the Jews. So when Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? He's not really asking him, are you? He's really asking him, do you think that you are? In other words, he's asking him, what is your truth? What, what do you believe about you? Now, this is interesting because Pilate is supposed to be a judge here. And a judge is supposed to search for the truth. But Pilate's not looking for the truth. He's looking for a truth. He's looking for Jesus's truth. He's asking Jesus, what is your truth about you? And, and, and it's because, like many within our culture, and perhaps folks even in this room, we spend much of our time not searching for the truth, but walking around asking people what their truth is. Because here's the deal. Pilate is so used to that. That's his life. That's his world. Constantly trying to evaluate whether or not the truth of the person across from him will line up with his truth. See, if your truth will line up with my truth, then we can be friends. If your truth will line up with my truth, then I'll vote for you. If your truth will line up with my truth, then, I mean, actually, affection and love, I, I think most dating right now is mostly happening around this idea of truth. You sit across a table from somebody at Applebee's and you find out their truth. And if their truth about them can line up with your truth, then it's like, okay, maybe, maybe we have something here. And so many, so many times in, 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 in church, also we are, we are searching for what is your truth, not what is the truth. And Pilate's so used to this, he's approaching Jesus and he says, okay, what is your truth? Because here's the deal. If Jesus' truth is that he is the king of the Jews, when Pilate believes that Pilate is the king of the Jews, Pilate's going to have to crucify Jesus. If your truth violates my truth, <laughs> if your truth contradicts my truth, then I'm going to have to deal with you. And this is why our culture is so violent to each other. And I don't mean violent physically, although I guess we are increasingly violent physically, but honestly, we're violent verbally. We attack each other because we see their, each other's truth as an attack on, on our truth. And this is why affection oftentimes is simply just believing my truth. I'll share my truth with you, and if you believe me, then that means you love me. If you believe me, that means you affirm my truth. And if you can affirm my truth, my truth can feel more true to me. And so what is the truth about truth? Here, Pilate stands before Jesus. The Bible's Jesus claimed to be the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he claimed to be the Here, Pilate is standing in front of the truth. And he's trying to not search for the truth. He's searching for Jesus' version of the truth. And so Jesus responds to him with, I think, the first principle of the truth about the truth. Jesus responds to him with a question. He says, are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? In other words, where did you get your truth? So this is the first step. This is the first question I would ask you in your own life as you're evaluating truth and what you hold. All of us have a relationship with truth. As you're evaluating your relationship with truth, I would ask you, where did you get your truth? 
It's really important because the source of your truth will determine the direction of your life. The source of your truth will determine and dictate the direction of your life. My parents, uh, when, we were, when we were growing up, with regard to Halloween, they got their truth from a book that was circulating around. And, 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 and that, that, that book gave us a particular direction. And I'm not even saying it's a bad direction. I, I honestly don't uh, have any regrets. I don't think I missed out on anything except more fillings, you know, in my teeth, <laughs> more cavities, you know. I had enough cavities as it was. I didn't need more candy, right? We had a bad enough diet in my house as it was. That's okay. I don't think we missed out on anything. But, um, I, that, but that's why I like talking about Halloween because it's one of those things, it's, it's not really that important in the grand scheme of things, but there's, there's a truth about Halloween, but then there's the truth. And the truth can oftentimes sink in a little deeper when we think we're talking about something that's not very uh, dangerous to us. And so here's the question, where is your truth coming from? Where have you gotten your truth? Have you gotten it from a book? Have you gotten it from a meme? Have you gotten it from uh, a, a, a professor, a college professor? Where, have you gotten it from yourself, Jesus says? Did you make this up? Is this in your mind? Have you just simply brought truth out of an attempt to validate yourself? Are you asking this? Is it coming from you? Is it coming from somebody else? Have you allowed someone else to label you with their truth about you? And you've adopted, you know, that's what he said. Did you get this from the Jews? Have you borrowed your truth? Because if you borrow your truth, then you're allowing somebody else to, to paint their truth of you on you, and you spend your life trying to live up to what somebody else has said about you. And I know you would never, 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 ever do that. But man, there's so many people that I've talked to uh, in the church and, and they, have, they have a truth and it's just absolutely true. And I asked them well, how, how they got that truth. Oh, well, I was at camp meeting and, and a pastor laid his hand on my head and he said this, 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 and this. And I said, well, did that, did that agree with what God was saying in your prayer time? Oh, I never really prayed about it. <laughs> did it agree with what your parents were saying? Oh, I never really asked them. Like, so, so, so somebody who had a title as a pastor said something about you and you took that as your truth and now you're trying to live that out? That's not how this whole call of God works. The call of God works. I receive my truth from God. Others can validate. Others can approve. Others can notice and say, yes, I see that. Yes, I see that. But they cannot give you their truth. Because, newsflash, preachers are wrong sometimes. Sometimes we just say stuff because it's a good thing to say. Sometimes we say stuff because that's what we just, I mean, you know, we're trying to be encouraging or whatever. And, and uh, I try not to do that personally. It's a great weight to be the guy with the microphone and everybody's looking for to speak truth. Because I get it wrong sometimes. Sometimes I see not truth, but I see my perspective. I see my truth. And I'll share my truth. And I try not to do that. I try to share the truth. I try to point people to the truth. But I'm telling you, sometimes I don't get it right. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, I think that was more my truth than it was God's truth. You know what I mean? I mean, so, so just to be honest, sometimes preachers get it wrong, which is why you can't just take everything I say and be like, well, Pastor Harry said that's what we're going to Pastor Harry doesn't get it right all the time. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. He doesn't get it right all that sometimes he sees things his own way. But there is the truth. And the truth is not a series of facts. The truth is a person. The truth is personal. Jesus made truth personal. 
And so, and so, so truth, I, I promise I'll get to Halloween in a minute, but for the moment we're talking about the truth about the truth. And honestly, we all have a truth. And you have a truth about Halloween too, and we might contradict that, and I don't know, we might agree with that, I'm not sure. But it really, that doesn't matter. The, the, the only thing that matters is what is, your, what is your agreement with the truth? So Jesus says, where are you getting your truth from? And then, see, because he had a borrowed truth, look at, look at Pilate. Pilate answered and said, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? In other words, he says, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say that. Yeah, well, I just shared that meme. I don't really believe that. <laughs> you ever see that when people like share stuff and you're like, so um, what about this? What about that? And they're like, oh, well, that, was, that wasn't me. And I'm like, well, it sort of was you. Like, that was exactly you. That was entirely you. Like, I don't know who it was if it wasn't you. But, you know, I was hacked, you know? Okay, fine. Uh, but no, like, seriously, like, it's like, it's, it's, it's like if you borrow a truth, you will, you will bail on the truth you borrowed real quick. As soon as somebody points out and says, so what, is, this, is this what you believe? Really? Really? Is this exactly, those words what you believe? No, he bails on it. And this is the problem with borrowing other people's truths, is that when push comes to shove, you'll bail on the truth you borrowed. And then you're left going, I don't know what the truth is. And so this is where Pilate is. He says, okay, so you, you tell me what you've done. And Jesus answered, and I love Jesus' answer in verse 36. He says, my kingdom. Now remember, Pilate asked him, are you a king? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. And he says, if my kingdom, that's the second time he said that, were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom, the third time in the same sentence, is not from here. I think the NASB says not of this realm. So he says, it's not of this world, like, like my kingdom is not based on other people's truths and trying to get those truths to agree. And also it's not of this realm, it's not physical. And yet three times Jesus says, my kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom. <laughs> and so Pilate catches on to that. And he says, so you are a king. Right? So, so at first Pilate was trying to align truths. And he's still trying to do that. He's still going back to this king thing. He, never mind the, the separate realm, never mind the other world that Jesus is talking about. He's hung up on the king thing because he's trying to figure out, are you a threat to me? Are you going to try to run for some sort of political office? Like, so what about, so yeah, we were talking about the king thing. So even when he's presented with the truth, he grabs one sliver of that, like king, which is half of the word kingdom, which is, which is like a fraction of the entire long sentence. And he's like, ah, king, king, are you, are, you, are you a king? And once again, before we judge Pilate too harshly, we're in church. And how often is that exactly what we do in church? We have a truth and we read the word of God and one word pops out and it's like, ah, I knew it. I knew it. Yep, I was right. It's pre-trib. Yes, it is. Yes, I knew it. Uh, you know, or, or whatever it may be. We grab a hold. We were, we're so stuck in trying to prove our truth right that we, we were in this one lane channel. And so my, my first question is, where did you get your truth? The second question is, what are you doing with your truth? Erwin uh, McManus uh, wrote a book recently called The Genius of Jesus, and he has a chapter in there called The Genius of Truth. And he says that oftentimes in our culture, we tend to use truth as a tool to try to get what we want. In other words, we will use our truth to try to validate ourselves, to get what we want. We want validation. We want acceptance. 
Uh, or we might want a political career, <laughs> in which case we'll grab a hold of a truth and then just that's it. And, or, or we might want a relationship with somebody. And so we'll hold on to a truth of us that we think is most relatable. And we will present that truth. Or we might want people to think well of us. Or we might want people to respect us. Or we might want doors to open up for our employment. And so we'll take a truth and we will use that truth as a tool to try to get what we want. But, he, but Erwin says that truth is not a tool. It's the truth is not a tool. It's a compass. So a truth can be a tool. But the truth is actually a compass, meaning it's giving you direction for your life, pointing true north. I can tell you some things are trying to work in your head. Okay, um, the church that I grew up in, uh, uh, I, I said it was a, there was a charismatic church that we were a part of for the first 10 years of my life. And then when I was 10, right around there, uh, we left that church and we, we helped start another church um, across town. And this church was very different. It wasn't necessarily charismatic. We had pretty charismatic type worship, but this is where I learned all of, all of my hymns, okay? So we sang hymns every Sunday, but we sang them sort of differently. And anyway, I, I, I grew to love hymns. So much good stuff came out of this particular church. So I don't want you to think this is a bad church. It's a wonderful church. But one of the things that really, the reason why this church started out of this other church is because this church, the pastor, had sort of discovered a truth about scripture, specifically about the atonement and about holiness. Kind of those two were our big truths. And initially, I feel like in the history of, of this church, truth was a compass for us. It was directing us uh, about the atonement. Okay, how to worship Jesus for what he has done. Uh, about uh, holiness. Okay, how to live in this world right? How to submit to God. And so for a number of years, it was very positive. When you use the truth as a compass, it's very positive in your life. It creates changes, positive changes. You make positive steps in the right direction. But over time, if you're not careful, the, you'll, you'll stop using it as a compass. You'll start using it as a tool. What I mean by that is you'll stop allowing it to direct your life. And you'll start using it as a way to de determine, I, I know for several in our church, a way to determine who was in and who was out. Because other churches in our town were not preaching the truth. <laughs> oh, they were preaching some truth, but not all of it. We had, we, we had all of it. So you start recognizing, okay, so are you, and, and actually some people in our kind of small church would even say, you know, I really want to leave this church, but... Where else can I go? There's no other church in town that preaches the truth. And when the truth becomes a tool to keep people in your church, that's not what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a tool to make sure that your church is, is a little bit better than other churches, even though other areas of your church are not. You don't have any small groups, don't, you know, you have a one, don't, don't have as great of worship, all this kind of stuff, but it's like, but we have the truth. It's interesting to me. I've seen truth go from being a compass to being a tool. And I've seen certain people, and it wasn't everybody in the church, but certain people were using it as a tool to see who they could fellowship with and who they couldn't fellowship with, to see who was in and who was out, to see even who was going to heaven and who wasn't going to heaven. But man, no, 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 no. The truth is not a tool. It is a compass. And that compass may lead you out of one church and into another. And that's not the end of the world. <laughs> See, when the truth is a compass, you're not tied to one particular church all of your life. 
You might be called to it for that season, but you're called to it by the truth. The truth pointed you and directed you and called you into that place. But when the truth moves you on because some other church needs your gifts or needs your talents or needs you, like, then you follow the truth. You don't, you don't like, well, this church has the truth. Like it's captive or something. Like they, they caught it in a little cage and it's like, those guys don't have it. We caught it. And it's like, I don't know if you want the truth, you have to stay here. That's not true. <laughs> That is not the truth. That is taking a truth and using it as a tool instead of looking for the truth and using it as a compass. The truth will direct you always toward God. Never toward an individual or a pastor or a denomination or a small group or anything like that. The truth is pointing you toward God. And, it's, and if it's not drawing you closer to God, then you have a truth, you don't have the truth. So, so examine your, your truth. What, am I, what, what, what do I do with this truth? Where did I get it? What am I doing with it? Make sense? Okay, so as we step forward into the conversation, uh, Jesus says, my kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom. Pilate says, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. But then he goes on to further explain the truth, right? He says, for this reason, I, I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. <laughs> and Pilate said, what is truth? This isn't a real question, by the way. I, I, this is his parting statement. This is an, un, this is an indictment. This is, a, this, is not, this, is a, this is a rhetorical question. Pilate doesn't really want to know. Pilate has now come to the conclusion that, well, psh, you can't really find the truth. I mean, you have your truth, I have my truth. And that's about as far as it's going to go. And yet Jesus says, no, no, I came into the world to bear witness to, to testify about the truth. And if you hear the truth, you hear me because I am the truth. And Pilate sees the truth. He has an encounter with the truth. And he walks away from that encounter believing that the truth is not accessible. And, I, and I, it, what, a, what a bummer. What, what a horrible thing to, to have an encounter with the truth. And because you're so tied to your truth, you refuse to give up your truth, you end up judging the truth. <laughs> as inaccessible. He's right there in front of you. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. If I were Jesus, I, you know, would have been a little more sarcastic probably and not so. <laughs> I mean, because here's a guy who's going to have him crucified. And yet Jesus is extending an invitation to enter into truth. A guy who not, all of his life, he has not lived the truth. Pilate like, he's in charge of the Jews because of some military failures, and he had some connections in his family that were like, well, we'll give you this job. He's so used to playing to other people's truths. He's so used to being caught between other people's truths. In fact, he's caught right here with the Jews. The Jews say, this guy's a criminal. And he says, what did he, what did he do? And they're like, well, talk to him. He talks to him, doesn't find anything wrong with him. He comes out and says, I can't find anything wrong with this guy. And they're like, yeah, but uh, he's a criminal. That's our truth. He deserves death. That's our truth. And Pilate says, okay, we'll go with your truth then. He's so used to negotiating 
people's and finding himself in the crosshairs of different people's truth. He's just learned how to survive. But he has not learned how to seek the truth. And even when it's right there in front of him, he can't hear it. Because it doesn't align with his truth. And he knows it doesn't align with those people out there, their truth. And he knows that Caesar, if Caesar hears that there's some you know, potential king who's rising up, Caesar's not going to be happy with that. He, he's stuck. He's stuck between various people's truths. And instead of giving up that rat race and saying, wow, this is the truth. This man is the truth. <laughs> instead of, 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 of validating, instead of like turning to the truth and using it as a compass, he takes his truth and uses it, uses it as a tool to dispose of the, the, uh, the uneasy truth that's in front of him. The difficult truth. So now as we get into Halloween, <laughs> the truth about Halloween. Before we do that, I would ask you, first of all, where did you get your truth from? Not just about Halloween, but the truth that you carried into this room today. What are you doing with your truth? Are you using it to validate yourself? Are you using it to feel better about yourself? Are you using it to try to open up doors for yourself? Or are you submitting to it to go in the direction of it? And so finally, I say I wanted to talk about the truth about Halloween because honestly, I think Halloween is a really good example. I could pick any holiday. Like I mentioned, Easter, Christmas, also pagan origins and things like that. Uh, but, but Halloween's a really good example of how we often will take a truth and use it as a tool rather than find the truth and submit to it and follow it. Uh, this week I had uh, somebody in our church sent me a text message and they were, they were asking me about this very thing. And I thought, man, that's kind of what I'm preaching about this Sunday. So maybe I'll include this. But they had sent me a meme. And uh, if you guys want to put the, the first meme, they sent, I, I, I guess they saw this on, um, on, on, on social media or something. And I, if you're a Christian, if you have Christians on your Facebook feed, you, you have seen something like this um, this week, probably several things like this. Um, basically it says, uh, just because you call it trunk or treat and hold the event at a church doesn't make it <laughs> doesn't make it any less satanic um, basically what it's saying is that trunk or treat is satanic um, and um, obviously city chapel is holding a trunk or treat and so there's some concern right it's like are we doing something that is satanic and I, like and usually the kind of people who are sharing these things are people, they're, they're not like, you know, crazy people. They're people who are praying people. They're people who are thinking people. And they're like, like good, good folks are sharing these kinds of things. And so it's, so, so I, think it's, I think it's good to be like, well, okay, where, where is this, where did you get that truth from? Where did it come from? Where did this good person find this? Well, I mean, he found it on Miss Tiff underscore Marie at the battle is real. Um, that's kind of where that one was found. Um, I'm not sure where all of them are found, but there are people that are churning out truths. And this happens every election cycle, right? This happens for several things uh, because it creates clicks and it, and it further divides us, which really helps people in power. So they're putting this stuff out all the time. And so I wanted to just examine it. And so what I did, and the, the, the short answer is, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. That's the short answer. If you are taking notes, write, write down 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, I'm not going to read from, but the whole chapter, read the whole chapter this week. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul deals specifically with celebrating pagan holidays. 
um, explicitly pagan holidays. We're not talking about kind of Catholic, kind of pagan. No, like actually pagan holidays. Going to temples and celebrating pagan holidays in the, the false god's temple. Right? Eating meat in those temples as a celebration, like Zeus's birthday. Right? And, and he deals with that. And he says, in and, and, and Paul's version, Paul says, look, we know that there are several little g-gods. And then he says, but all of those little g-gods are nothing. In other words, there are demons. There is a devil. But he's nothing. Literally, he's, he is less powerful than, than any animal that you might run across. He has, he's been stripped of his power. Uh, scripture says that he led, Jesus led captivity captive, and that he made an open mockery of the forces of darkness, that he led them in triumphant procession, meaning they are in chains. And so Jesus has defeated and in fact crushed the head of the serpent, is what, is what Jehovah said in the beginning of Genesis. He would crush the head. Have you seen a snake with its head bashed in? <laughs> yeah, come over to our farm sometime. You'll see some, you'll see some. Get a sledgehammer, take that thing. Like when you crush the head, you defeat the, the, the mouth. You defeat the fangs. You defeat the poison when you crush the head. And so this is, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm saying this has happened. Jesus has crushed the head of the serpent. And so uh, anyway, you, 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 can, you, can, you can read these things. And you can say, oh my goodness, yes, I don't want to participate in something satanic. But what I love about 1 Corinthians 8, and I, I, I'm not going to preach the whole chapter, but what I love about it is at the end of the chapter, Paul says, because this is the truth. The truth is not just handing you a truth about Halloween, right? Instead, the truth gives you a compass. And he says, yes, you may celebrate all of these things if you like, but be careful that you don't offend your brothers and sisters. Or he says, cause them to stumble, actually. In other words, don't just go to these events without sharing with them the truth. Because if you just go to these events, they might think you are worshiping Zeus or some other god. You have to help them along because they're weaker. They don't understand that there's only one god. They think there are several little powerful little gods and there's one more powerful god, but no, you have to share with them the truth. And so I love, I love how it's still love tr tr trumps everything. Being right is not the point of receiving the truth. Being loving is the point because truth, the truth will be a compass that will point you in the right direction. It will not puff up. It'll not puff you up and make you prideful. Like, I know, yeah, I'm good, oh yeah. All those silly people that don't celebrate Halloween, I celebrate because I'm, I'm good. No, man, that's, that's a truth. And that's using it as a tool to make you feel better. Put down that truth and follow the truth because the truth will cause you to love your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ones who celebrate and the ones who don't. The ones who get vaccinated and the ones who don't. The, <laughs> it'll cause you <laughs> the ones the ones who are democrat and the ones who are republican it'll cause you to love that's what the truth will do and so I, as i share this i don't want to bash people who share this because that would be unloving but i want to point something out to you just quickly and this is what i shared with the person who texted me i said that's interesting because that sounds very familiar to me 
A few months ago, I did a sermon series on a particular book, which I don't usually, I didn't, it wasn't a sermon series, it was one day, um, on a particular book that I don't usually spend a lot of time reading. And uh, some of you that were here, you, you remember that. Well, I would like to bring up that quote for you for just a minute. This quote reminded me of, of this other quote right here, that Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night out of the year. Welcome to Halloween. Um, that, by the way, that quote is not from uh, Facebook. That is not from a Christian. Um, that quote is from, a, is, from, is from a book called the Satanic Bible, um, specifically within the book of Lucifer, uh, within the Satanic Bible. So a few months ago, I'd spent three hours one afternoon just pouring over some of the book of Lucifer. I didn't read the rest of the sentence of the, the crap in the satanic bible um, but i did look at the book of lucifer because it's basically satan's manifesto it's him telling us what he thinks and who he is but oh by the way he's a liar <laughs> he, he, he doesn't tell you that though he leaves that part out but listen to what the liar said christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night a year welcome to halloween the liar said when christian parents let their kids dress up and go door to door and get candy they are worshiping Satan. The liar said that. And I thought it was interesting how the liar... See, this is the problem when you don't check the source of your truth. You might think it's original, but you're actually copying something that was written in the late 1960s by the high priest of Satan who, who said he was getting his, his inspiration from the devil himself. See, because here's the deal. The devil is a liar. He's lying to you. He wants you to believe... That putting on a costume equals worship. <laughs> not, because, not because he doesn't want you to participate in Halloween. He doesn't care what you do on October 31st. But every single Sunday when you get dressed up and you come to church and pretend to be somebody that you're not, he wants you to believe that that is worship. But worship, guys, is not what you put on. It's not a building you come to. It's not an event that you are a part of. All right, it's not that way in the kingdom of darkness and it's not that way in the kingdom of light. You are not a worshiper of Jesus just because you came to church. Worship's a little bit deeper than, than this. It goes a little bit further, right? And if he can get you to believe that worship or opening yourself up to demonic powers can be something that you put on your body, that's not a far stretch from believing that worshiping God can be something, another event that you come to and another outfit that you put on, and another face that you wear. And it's like, oh, okay, fine, you're worshiping. No, 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 no. Worship is not what you put on your body. This is why sometimes people, they'll boycott um, uh, Halloween, and they'll come up to me and say, Pastor, Pastor, we, you know, we shouldn't be celebrating this because it's, 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 it has demonic roots. And it does. It does have some pagan roots, absolutely. Um, it also has some non-pagan roots. But anyway, and, and, and I understand that your truth comes from your experience. So some people have come from Central America where they celebrate the Day of the Dead, which is demonic because you're inviting literal spirits to come into your home. And I've been to that island, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's the main island where they uh, spend the last week of October. Halloween's a part of the celebration, but really there, uh, what, what's the, there's a cartoon, Coco or something, where Disney kind of whitewashed the whole thing. But really what you're doing, you're inviting demons into your home. Not good. All right, don't do that. So I understand if that's where you come from and you're like, oh my gosh, City Chapel is inviting demons. In our no, 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 that's not what we're doing. And some of you come from Halloween is partying. 
Halloween's getting high, getting drunk, wearing stuff you normally wouldn't wear, looking skanky, like <laughs> trying to think of the right word, trying to think of the right word. You don't want that, like, no, man, we're not, this, 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 this kind of, it's kind of allowed, right? It's skank, skank, I, I don't know. Uh, several of the words from my mind at the moment, I just, I chose the most innocent one. But that's not, that's not of God, right? The Bible warns against that. The Bible warns against stuff like that. Some people do come from the occult. They come from a, a Wiccan place. They come from a church of the Wiccan or the church of Satan. And it, this is a high holy day for them is what they call it. And so some Christians will be like, well, yeah, this is the devil's day. Uh, no. Uh, you, don't, he, you, don't, he, you don't get a day for being a crushed head snake. Maybe when you do something, maybe if the devil actually creates a day, then we'll say, okay, fine, that's his day. But currently, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to eat some candy. I'm going to enjoy the God who created this day. Because the devil has done nothing to deserve any kind of honor whatsoever. But I do understand if you come from that place and then you find out City Chapel is, you know, having a trunk or treat where they're dressing up and things, like, like that can be your truth. But again, man, you, yeah, like your experience is not the truth. So we must take our experiences, as true as they feel, and offer them up to the truth, to the compass of the truth, and say, where does this fit in with the truth? Like, I have found this to be true, but it may not be the truth. It's just something that was true for me. But something that was true for me doesn't necessarily mean that it's true for everybody. It doesn't necessarily mean that it is the truth. And so I have to, I have to compromise my experience for what the truth says about me. Because, because oftentimes people will say, oh, you, you shouldn't be celebrating this. And I understand it's coming sometimes from a, a, a place that they, it represents something bad to them. And so, and so, but oftentimes people who are most afraid of celebrating Halloween also at the same time have paranormal activity going on in their homes. It's so interesting. They, like, like literal, actual oppression, like demonic oppression, like, you know, banging on walls, uh, lights turning on and off, uh, night terrors, waking up in the middle of the night with, like, pressure on your chest or, or like, hands around your neck, like, gagging you. Like, like uh, 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 shadows darting back and forth between... Like, they, they have things like that. And I go, well, do you celebrate Halloween? No, no, no. I'm like, okay, well, I think we're fine then. Like, let's just not do what you're doing. Like, that's, that's, that doesn't, that's not working. Because, well, it turns out that opening doors to Satan, which is a thing, is not what you put on your body. Alcoholism opens the door to Satan. Getting high opens the door to Satan. I know everybody in Austin is doing it, but it opens the door it allow, like, it, like there, are, there, are, there are heart things. Lust in your mind opens the door. There are, there are heart things. Man, I just, I, uh, how much time do we have? All right, I, I don't know. I, I just sensed right there that the Holy Spirit was just like, just, that's fine to tell them the truth, but tell them the truth. The truth is there is hope. If you do have those things going on in your home, there is hope. Like in the middle of the night, things flying off of shelves, you know. That, 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 that happens. But the truth is, you, you may have opened up doors, but there is hope. And God can deal with that demonic presence. You don't have to live with that. And you don't have to be ashamed about that. 
In fact, let's just, it got real quiet all of a sudden. Interesting. Um, take your phone out. Would, would, would you just help me? Everybody just get your phone. Um, I'm going to grab my phone. Just, uh, I'm not going to make you do anything with your phone. I just don't want people to feel isolated, all right? I don't want them to feel like they're alone. So uh, take your phone out. All right, everybody's got their phone. Uh, open up your text message. Once again, I'm not going to make you text anything, but just so that people don't feel isolated, all right? And in the header, you can, you can type in the, the phone number, 512. Could we put that phone number up? I, I know we didn't talk about this. I didn't plan. But 512-960-1617, if you put that into the text header, all right, um, so that everybody's texting, nobody's really isolated, nobody's standing out as weird, okay? But now, if you do have some stuff going on in your home, would you just text, uh, text that number, text the word help, all right? And so Monday morning, like, I'll get all these text messages, and I'll give you a call, all right? And I'll, and I'll ask you some questions. First of all, I'll start talking to you about doors you may have open, spiritual doors you may have open to cause, to open up the ability for these things to happen in your home. And then secondly, we have some folks here that have the gift of discernment. We have some folks here that, gift, that have the gift of prayer. We have some folks here that will come to your house, pray over your house, deal with that demonic spirit. Okay, so you just send the word help Thank you guys for having your phones out. Because here's, here's the truth. The truth is that Satan is not as powerful as he makes himself out to be. He, he's not. He's, he's not. He is, he is defeated. Jesus said that those who follow me or believe the truth will, will walk on serpents, right? And that's, that's, a, that's a spiritual illusion. He's saying that, that this is where Satan lives. Like he lives right here. Like under my, actually, this is a stage. This is too high for him. He's never, he's down like on the cement. Like for the past 2,000 years, he's been smelling the underneath of Christians' feet. And he's comfortable down there because he never gets any higher than that for the believer. His, his fangs are not dangerous to us. His lies don't matter to us. His weapons have been taken from us, from him. He has no weapons. He has no, I mean, he has no ability to fight, Right? Just a flesh wound. Come back, I'll nibble your, 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 your kneecaps, you know? That's a reference to a movie. But anyway, I mean, like, like literally, he's just, he's like, he's, he's defeated. He is defeated. Like literally, uh, I'm more scared of fire ants than I am of the devil. Because fire ants don't play. You know what I'm saying? Like you step on a, a fire ant hill, you can... Call the name of Jesus. You can rebuke those things all you want. They don't play. They're going to bite you. You're going to swell up and itch like crazy. Why? Because Jesus hasn't stripped fire ants of their power. Satan is the only created being and his, and his angels are the only created beings that God has so vehemently set himself against. All the rest of his creation, he's allowed to have free agency. I don't know why I keep asking him to do the same thing to fire ants that he did to the devil. Break them down, crush their skulls. That's what I want to see for fire ants. But for some reason, Jesus is holding back his judgment on fire ants. Someday, though, someday. Your day is coming, brother. Your day is coming because I'm going to have a resurrected body and then you're going to be in trouble. Jesus won't do it, but I'll do it. You know what I'm saying? But man, no fire ants, like you speak to them, they don't obey you. But demons, have, they tremble at the name of Jesus. They tremble at the authority of a believer and so therefore demons will run when you say run they'll stop when you say stop they'll kneel when you say kneel they'll jump when you say jump 
Because they have to, because they are, they're un, they've been stripped of, of, of the free will that ants have. Therefore, ants can be a menace to me and I have to be careful. But I'm not scared of demonic powers. I'm not scared of the devil. I don't feel like I have to be careful that he's going to jump on me from any given corner. I mean, some pastors are like, oh, you don't want to say that from the pulpit because you might pick a fight with the devil. You know, I've, I've, I've heard that. Oh, no, wouldn't want to pick a fight with a defeated, crushed head snake. He's going to slap me with his tail. <laughs> no, he, he, he's been defeated. That's the truth. The truth is that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The truth is that all of these principalities and powers, these rulers in high places, come down as soon as we call them out. They cannot stay in their abode. They cannot keep their place. Because they don't stand there in their own power. Because they have none. They've been defeated. And so if you're here today and you're dealing with them, I want to let you know there's hope for you. They can be gone from your home. They can be gone from your place of business. When we first started meeting as a church, we met in the Cinemark Theater in South Park Meadows. And uh, there was, a, there was a, the manager that would let us in every Sunday morning at 7.30. And um, she had to go up into the um, top part of the theater, which is the projection room. They call it a room. It's really a long hallway with all the projectors uh, back to back and back. And they, they shine into the, the, the theaters. And so she would, she would go up to open up the glass window so that we could plug in our, um, our extension cord, right? And uh, one Sunday, man, it was getting late and she wasn't going up to open. We said, you know, we really need to get the sound system going. We need to practice. And, and uh, she said, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm busy, I'm busy. And so we didn't want to push her. but So we kept, I kept nudging her a little bit. Um, finally, I said, you know, it doesn't really look like you're that busy. Is this something that we could do? Like, can you give us the key? We'll go up there. And what, like, you, you sit there, enjoy your donut. Like, it's all good. Like, we'll do it. And um, she was like, well, no, I'm not allowed to do that because there's really expensive equipment up there. And I said, okay, what, well, you know, we do need to plug stuff in. And she said, well, I'm waiting for my coworker. Okay, why are you waiting for your coworker? Because I never go up there by myself. <laughs> So why not? It turns out, she, as she said, it was haunted. She said that, uh, you know, uh, motion detectors would go off at 3 a.m., which is the witching hour. Uh, multiple times that motion detectors would go off. And she said that she didn't really believe any of that. She was kind of agnostic. And so um, she said, I, I, I would go up there by myself. And then she said, I went up there by myself one time and uh, saw one of my fellow employees. He was up there cleaning or something. And so I talked to him and said, okay, well, great. Uh, you know, things are looking good. And my, the employee went down the stairs and immediately came back up the stairs. And I said, what, did you forget something? And, and he didn't know what I was talking about. She's like, I, the whole time I wasn't actually talking to my fellow employee. I was talking to something else because this guy didn't know what I was talking about. But this thing I was talking to looked exactly like him and talked exactly like him and knew his story and all this kind of stuff. And she said, you know, that freaked me out. She said, I don't believe in like weird stuff, but that freaked me out. I don't go up there by myself because things move and stuff happens. I don't know. She's like, I don't go up there. So I said, well, would you like us to deal with that? That's actually kind of one of the things we do as a Christian church. I said, we can deal with that. And as long as we meet here, it'll be dealt with. After we leave, I'm not sure. But I, I can tell you, as long as we're on this contract, we'll, it'll be fine. 
She said, okay, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And so we had the prayer team next Sunday morning. During set up and set, we're setting up and tearing down. Some folks from the prayer team went up there, dealt with it, came back down and said, everything's good. And the next week I was like, have you had any issues? No, 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 no motion detectors. No, nothing going on. And for weeks and for months, nothing, no issues at all. Why? Because the truth is that however afraid you might be, Jesus has overcome the darkness. That's the truth. And you can receive that truth. And just like you can receive that truth, you can receive the truth in various other parts of your heart. So just right now, as we get ready to close, I would just ask you to look inside yourself for just a minute and ask yourself, what is the truth that I have not received? It may be that Jesus has overcome. I, I might need to receive that today and I might need to reach out for help today from, from City Chapel to have them help me discern what's going on in my home and deal with it and show me the authority I have in Christ. Maybe, maybe that's it. There might be a truth that you've been using perhaps to pass judgment on other people. You know, you were cool with Halloween. Obviously, you come to City Chapel and you... Maybe you've taken that liberty and you've passed judgment on other people who are not cool with Halloween. Not been loving to them. Or not, there's people that aren't good with Christmas and all sorts of things. And we have a way of taking the truth and using it as a tool to make ourselves feel better. So are you, are you using any truth as a tool? Is there any truth that God has given you? Is there, are there any compasses that God's given you that you're not following right now? Is the truth standing before you telling you to move in some particular direction? I don't mean move cities necessarily, but move, step forward in a particular direction. Maybe have that conversation. <laughs> Maybe there's a conversation that the truth is telling you to have. putting it off I would, I would urge you to submit to the truth because when we do when we come into alignment with the truth we become we become of the truth ourselves and so we start transmitting truth which is always loving, which is always kind, which is always gentle, which is always long-suffering, which is always joyful, which is always faithful. That's the truth. And as much as it is a, a burden for me as a pastor to always, to feel like I always have to speak the truth, and, and it is, and it's a responsibility, the greater responsibility on me is that I have to live the truth. <laughs> that my, my parenting has to reflect my preaching. That's not just a pastor thing. That responsibility is on all of us. God wants all of us to live the truth that we believe. And so Lord, I pray that you would equip your people Don't, don't just change our minds about something, Lord. Definitely, wherever we stand on Halloween, 
May we evaluate it in light of scripture and may we stand firmly uh, on what you say. Wherever we stand on vaccines, may we evaluate in light of scripture. May we stand firmly in that place. Wherever we stand in politics, Lord, may we evaluate it in light of scripture and stand there. There's no right or wrong answer to any of those questions. The greater question is, what are we doing with the truth? Are we stepping into the truth in our lives? Because obviously worshiping you is much deeper than wearing something, is much deeper than voting for someone, is much deeper than getting a shot in an arm. No, no, no. It's, your, it's our heart that you want. So Father, I pray that you would not convince us to go one way or another in either of these topical issues, but Lord, would you convince us to take a step toward the truth in our lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, glad that you're a part of City Chapel. And I do believe there's going to be some cotton candy machine going on out there for the kids. Maybe for everybody. I don't know. Some ice cream and stuff. Some extra candy. <laughs> uh, stick around as long as you like. Uh, hang out and chat. And um, yeah. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Next week, we have a guest speaker. Rocky. Pastor Rocky Ivy will be preaching to us. I'm excited for him to come share the word with us. So, um, yeah, I'll see you.